This is Limit Up, a trading podcast presented by the performance coaches at Top Step. We discuss futures, forex, stocks, options, history, trading psychology. Basically, if you can trade it, we'll try our best to make sense of it. Now, on to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step. I'm Jack Pelzer and joined virtually by Dan Hodgman as usual. Dan, how's it going? Oh, it's going good, Jack. Um, you know, I'm sitting here. The sun is shining. The skies are blue. What, what can I complain about, really? I know. It's been a busy week here at Top Step, but, and we'll get to that in a second. But uh, it definitely makes it a little nicer that there's not three feet of snow and... Just gray like, skies. I'm watching my grass grow, and I'm already thinking, all right, about time to pull out the uh, the lawnmower. I did uh, power wash the deck last weekend um, while Jordan Spieth was uh, giving away the Masters. Yeah. Uh, knowing you, you probably have some sort of uh, diesel rig. <laughs> I, I do have a, a pretty intense uh, gas power washer. Oh, nice. Yeah, so uh, today, if you listened last week, we had part one of our interview with the author of The Mental Game of Trading, Mr. Jared Tendler, and he uh, let us know in between the episodes that that book is out now on Amazon. So if you want to check it out, highly recommend it. Dan and I both read the advanced copies, and uh, it was just a great conversation we had with uh, Jared. That's kind of why we made it in the two episodes. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. Um Great insight, and I loved how he was able just to kind of bring all assets or facets of opportunities in the world, not just trading, but um, comparing e-gaming to golf to trading to poker and just kind of bring it all full circle to me was really intriguing. And hearing him talk about e-gaming, which I didn't realize was this huge thing, was eye-opening to me. Oh, yeah. It's all about mental performance, I guess. So uh, speaking of mental performance, I'm going to see if I can remember all the housekeeping notes I should get through right now. So the interview with Jared today, if you are using Top Step or the Trading Combine, you might notice this week, this is coming out on Thursday, so I guess it's today, Coach T is here, our digital version of performance coaching. Uh, we took Hogue and shrunk him into the interwebs, and uh, <laughs> now he's going to give you advice when you trade. Which is going to be awesome. I'm excited about that. I think it's going to be a huge benefit to a lot of people out there. Yeah, I think it's uh, really going to help. We talk a lot, I think, with Jared about you know measuring things, being objective, knowing when you're on versus not on. And that's what we're trying to do with that. So if you have any feedback, get it to us. Uh, we always want to try and make these things better. Coach's Playbook is out from Tuesday. We talked, uh, it was more of a timely episode. We talked about how the VIX is now below 20. So it was about how to trade those um, slower markets that we're in now and how they can become not slow very quickly. Yeah, I mean, we're slowing down fast. Obviously, we're getting closer and closer to summer. Um, Volatility is kind of dying off. You know, there's no major news out there that's affecting these markets. VIX is going to dip and it's your job as a trader to recognize when the market state is changing. Um and, and we got to be paying attention to that. We got to be prepared for that. It happens cyclical, you know, every year. You're going to go up and down. Volatility is going to tweak. And uh, as a trader, you got to be ready to adjust. Yeah. Well, this is a great time to kind of reset your mind frame and think about what you want to do going forward now that the markets are a little bit different. So, with that in mind, I think it's about time we got to the interview. Uh, today with Jared, we talk about confidence, which he had a really interesting definition of. 
And uh, we make some terrible predictions on the Masters from two weeks ago, <laughs> which we now know were, uh, well, I'll let you find out what they were. So enjoy the interview. We'll see you for a bit after the break. I kind of gathered that sort of part of the overall framework of this book is about, you talk a lot about the uh, inchworm metaphor of a metaphor i love talking about my metaphor okay perfect well i'd love you to talk about it too but i i think to what you say about you can do a lot by eliminating some making your worst on the bell curve uh practices habits working on those a little bit can make some big improvements real quick so i'll let you describe the inchworm as you can do it much more eloquently than i yeah just to kind of tell from what you're saying like the big goal is to suck less and the more you suck less, the better you become. Simple way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, if you look at any, again, elite athlete, elite trader, they are ruthless at identifying their weaknesses and correcting them. So, you know, the inchworm model, just to give some context here, basically, if you've never seen like an actual, like this little caterpillar that's an inchworm, uh, basically, if you can kind of imagine it like walking, so it, it kind of like lifts up its front end, stretches itself straight kind of does this like slinky action and brings the back end closer, anchors the back, and then kind of does that alternating. Um, and if you if you look at how an inchworm looks when it's sort of in its like resting state, <laughs> it looks like a bell curve. And and so, you know, I, I kind of came up with this concept uh, when I was writing the first trading book. And it just sort of helps to illustrate what the learning process looks like. I don't think I'm inventing anything other than creating a way of illustrating what you what, what traders, poker players um professionals go through. And so when we look at a bell curve and we apply it to trading, we're saying, okay, let's evaluate the quality of your decision-making over some sort of sample, let's say six months, a year, whatever, right? And if you look at that sample, you're going to have a, 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 a grouping of really, really great decisions, really, really bad ones, and then, you know, the ones in between. And of course, it can kind of skew right or left based on, you know, how you're doing. We hope it skews more towards the, the good decisions, but, you know, we can all get in, into bad stretches. So then we look at, okay, how does improvement happen over time? Well, the, the way your bell curve moves forward over time is the way that inchworms walk. So you're systematically moving the back end forward, and that creates the anchor point for you to move forward on the top end, to, to innovate, to adapt, to grow your strategy, to grow your, your competency. What I end up seeing, and it's like the most common problem I've seen in performance, is that the gap between your best and your worst gets too wide. And anybody listening right now can just do a very quick just sort of, you know, mental check for themselves. And you ask yourself, when you are at your best, how big is that difference? And I'm not, we're not talking about how much money you're making. We're talking about how clearly you're making decisions, how well you're sensing the market, how in tune you feel with both your system and, uh, you know, your your research, your backtesting, your trade ideas, the way you're collaborating, whatever it is. And then compare that to when you're at your worst. And if that gap feels pretty big. And let's be honest about how bad you are when you're at your worst, right? Because there's often a lot of times there's a lot of denial, right? Um, you know, the thing I, I hear most often is that's so unlike me. No, if, if it's, if it's, if it's happened, it's in your range. You, you can't disqualify it just because it doesn't happen very often. That's the whole freaking point. Um, just as a side note, because I, I like to rail against golfers, golf is like predominantly skewed towards your best. Like, Golfers are fantastic at eliminating their worst because the handicap system helps them do that. They get to toss out their 10 worst scores. Oh, no, my handicap is the average of my 10 best. You kidding me? I love that aspect of golf. Most people do. 
as traders, you can't do the same thing, man. You, you know, it's all part of your PL at the end of the day. So if it happened and you made the decision, it's part of your range. So then, then the question becomes what's holding the back end, you know, where it is. Sometimes it's denial. You're just pure, just nope, that's not there. Sometimes it's this mentality that, you know, I'm going to sort of escape my mental game issues, my emotional issues by just learning more, by getting, you know, tweaking my system, researching more, talk. Technique can't escape these, these mental or emotional issues. Uh, you know, another mentality is they're just kind of like mired in them. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They get advice and it's sort of seemingly simple, like what I got. And, you know, the advice can help, right? It's not bad. But if it doesn't get deep enough into these actual performance flaws, then you end up with that back end of your range sort of stuck in place. And you do this like, you know, military commando style where you're just like dragging yourself forward. And, and yet that range sort of exists that way. So to me, one of the biggest things that anybody listening to this can do is to just start listing out your mistakes, right? And beginning to ask yourself why they happen and how you can start fixing them permanently, not just temporarily. And if, if there's a lot of emotion at play at those times, right, then it's going to be more complicated to get through. But, you know, that's really what the book is designed to do is to help you sort of wade through all the surface level, you know, information so that you can identify what's at the, what those performance flaws are and, and, and devise a strategy to fix it and move that back end forward. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things I see holding back traders is the inability to accept. You use it as uh, the book as your A, B, and C game is thinking that everything in the A game, that is what they do. That is who they are as a trader. The B game, whatever. The C game, at their worst, it was a bad beat. And no one likes bad beat stories, but it's, it's, it's never anyone's fault per se, even though at the end of the day, that's who you are as a trader. So I, I thought that was a really fascinating observation. And now, Dan, I'll let you ask the question. No, I was just going to, I wanted to point out to everyone out there listening, I think this is one of the most important factors that I've gotten out of this whole thing. Reading the book is before you can move forward, you've got to, you've got to kind of anchor yourself. You've got to understand where you, where you're at. I think it's such a common, that's why when I talk trading and I try and educate traders is everyone wants to talk about making money, but you got to talk about the risk. You got to talk about the control. You got to talk about, well, simply put the shitty things in trading because to be able to move forward and make more money, you've got to be able to control the bad habits. You got to control that the areas where you struggle. You know, personally, I know myself well enough that there are just points that I know that my trading is going to suffer. Therefore, because I've recognized this in myself, it's my ways of staying out of things and trying to avoid things. And maybe that's not the best way to go about it, but there are certain hurdles that I just can't overcome sometimes in trading. And so I have to stop. And I think if you can recognize those points, it really makes a huge difference in what you consider your success in trading or anything for that matter. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think there, there's nothing wrong with having these sort of stop gaps. I mean, basically, you're talking about, you know, creating like a mental stop loss for yourself, right? And, and understanding what's required to do that. And I think that's, that is a good thing to do, just as long as you're recognizing that it's, it ought to be best used in the short term. And over time, it, it should be more like a trailing stop loss that allows you to continue to evolve, right? And doesn't like really kind of cap your growth. Because I think, you know, the other things that this, the inchworm theory helps to highlight is when you look at either traders or athletes who go through these sort of big ups and downs in their own performance, right? This is an explanation for it, right? 
when you have a big gap between your best and your worst, it takes a lot of energy to be great. It takes a lot of energy to, for you to perform well. And you're just invariably going to burn out a lot faster. And then typically when that sort of slide happens, you go hard fast. Like you're going to backslide really quickly. Um, you know, another thing is it's, you know, the gap between your best and your worst also defines all the things that you're currently learning. So, you know, yes, we're talking mentally, but also technically. So when you have to think about all that stuff, right, it's, it's a ban there's a bandwidth. You cannot innovate and grow, you know, your own, you know, capacity as a trader because the back end is holding you back. You know, people don't often think about their strengths and weaknesses being linked, but this is the, this is the linkage. Now we're not talking about strengths and weaknesses that, that can be outsourced. Like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm not great at, you know, writing. So I outsourced, you know, uh, writing help and editorial help. And, you know, the, the book is all, all my words, but like, I'm not, I mean, I truthfully, I'm a little dyslexic and, you know, I sucked. I was so like, you get help. I can't, but <laughs> I, I don't know where to put the comma. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. We were talking earlier about errors that I just found again. So, so you outsource some things, but there are a set of things you cannot outsource. I can't outsource somebody to do this interview for me. I can't outsource somebody to do my coaching for me, just like you can't outsource somebody to trade for you. So when you've got these trailing edges, you've got to consistently be identifying what's causing them and working to upgrade it so that your your mental stop loss grows, grows higher. Uh, Jared, I thought since we discussed uh, fear and greed, which you know are generally perceived as more negative on that, we could talk a little bit about confidence here towards it. And I had a passage I wanted to read if it's cool for with you that I think yeah, was really interesting about confidence. It says, uh, being a confident that you can make money doesn't mean you will, just as lacking confidence doesn't mean you won't. You need to be competent as a trader more than you need to be confident. Regardless of how you feel about your ability, after a large enough sample, your results tell the real story. I thought that really kind of struck a chord brilliant, with me. Brilliant writing. Yeah, it was, it was brilliant writing, but now you said that maybe you they're your words. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you see confidence. Because so many people come to us and they say, I want to be more confident as a trader. Is that a goal into itself? Is, yeah. No, no, that should not be the goal. That should not be the goal. I mean, well, I, okay, I guess I, sh I should qualify that. If you're a really good trader and your confidence is the thing that's holding you back from you know, sizing up or, you know, taking trades that may be a little bit kind of outside of your purview and comfort level, then, then yeah, that's a problem and you need to get more confident, right? Which at that point, you're really just believing in the things you already know. I mean, that, that, so, but like confidence in and of itself should not be the aim. I mean, I think there's a large myth in Western society that says like confidence is the thing that we should be after and that confidence is the be all end all, right? You need to be good as a trader. I mean, I could conceivably be a lot more confident than some of the listeners. And yet, I mean, neither of you two would have any reason to bet on me. <laughs> so <laughs> I, what, what are we doing here? I mean, but that's, that's the thing is like confidence sells, confidence feels good, you know, and of course you want to feel that way, but I'll tell you what feels a lot better. It feels really good to be competent. It feels really good to know what the hell you're doing and to have money, you know, just sort of flow from that, come from that. It's a different, different sort of ethic. So, so no, I mean, if we look at what confidence is just like functionally, confidence is just simply your perception of your own skill set. 
That's it. So when you're overconfident, you're believing that your skill set is more capable than it actually is. And when you're underconfident, you think less of your skill set than what it actually is. You know, and there's a there's a, a very kind of brilliant um, example with these performance flaws called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Um, and the Dunning-Kruger effect says that people who are underskilled, right, they're very, uh, you know, weak. They, we'll call these the um, uh, the American Idol contestants. Sure. <laughs> they're so unskilled, they have no idea how bad they are. Okay. And I mean, this is, this is what, this is what defines poker fish, right? There's a line of people wanting to play against those players. And, you know, unfortunately, there's a, a number of your listeners who are in this category too, who are probably den- in denial right now as I'm saying this, that they're one of those people, but you are. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's because you're so underskilled, you don't even know how to evaluate your own skill. Okay. I was this way when I wrote my first poker book. Okay. I didn't know that I was not qualified to hire an editor. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. what did I get? I got a boatload of problems. Okay. You know, and then on the flip side, just to finish up the Dunning Kruger, on the flip side, you have people who actually are underconfident. But they're, they're underconfident because they falsely assume that what they know is not really that special that everybody just knows. It. It's like, ah, you know, every trader in the world knows X. Like, no, they don't. <laughs> no, I can promise you they don't. They do not. Right. And so, you know, again, we're talking about perception. So, yes, in an ideal world, your perception and your skill would be aligned. But that's not like really possible because in the short term, right, it's impossible to know exactly what your skill set is. So. If we were to scale it, like zero is like no confidence, a hundred would be like, you know, ravingly overconfident and 50 was this like theoretical ideal. I think 51 is the right number, right? I want you to just to be just a tiny bit overconfident that suggests that, okay, I have a bit more capacity here and let, let's let, let's let the market find out, you know, exactly where I stand rather than being, you know, perfectly accurate. I, I think that's just the greatest way to put this is, because so often you do see, especially with newer traders, is that they're they're way overconfident. Hey, I've been paper trading this for three months and I've only made money every single day. And I'm a pretty blunt and honest person. I was a sergeant in the Marine Corps. I have no problem telling someone how it is. And that's usually the first thing I say to them. I was like, well, you got to get knocked down a peg. You, you got to back it off a little bit because it's going to be your demise coming in that confident. So here's how I would frame it. I mean, I, I don't mind your sergeant just like, you know, strip him down and punch him in the face kind of mentality. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for that. So I'm, I tend to kind of go in the side door and say, okay, so basically your fundamental flaw in thinking that, you know, three weeks, three months, whatever it is of paper trading successfully, you think that that equates to like live performance, so to speak. That is a fundamental performance flaw because you're equating these two environments as being equal. That is not true. They're not the same and they never will be, right? And the main reason is because you're not the same. You might be trading on the exact same platform, live or, uh, or, or paper, but you're not the same and that's the difference, right? So I can go play at Augusta this week and, you know, tee it up on, on Thursday, on, on Wednesday, you know, and, and, you know, shoot 64, which would never happen anyway. But, uh, and then, and then on Thursday, you know, it's not the same golf course. It's not, I'm not the same person. Okay. So it's not the same. That's a fundamental performance flaw to equate those environments as being the same. That's amazing. All right. You brought up Augusta. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask anything about it. 
We're we're a couple days away from T. Well, if the day this comes out, we just opened up. I'm keeping it kind of on track here. Jordan Spieth, he's struggled the last three years. The psychology with what he's done in the last couple weeks, winning on Sunday. How does that, you know, what what is a guy like that going through to get to this level, get himself back on track where he's winning tournaments again? I mean, he's going through hell. I mean, it's and it's like anybody who's been at a high level and and has crashed or a relatively high level for them and then crashed. I mean, it's it is not fun. But if if he has done it right, and I've not you know had the purview of understanding what's going on, what what he's found. But if he does it right, right, then he should have a new bottom, right? His his suck less back end range he brought should it be up. higher than it was before. You know, I mean, if you, if you've tracked his career at all, you know that Jordan didn't really fail until this period, right? Junior golf, college golf, professional golf. It was just you know, yeah. Uh, we'll call it, you know, the the parabolic move, right? That and neck so, really stretched out on that inchworm fast. 100, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, and we look at like, you know, NFL GMs, they they are really reticent about drafting quarterbacks that haven't failed. Um, you know, and we've seen like a litany of guys that you know dominated in high school and college and then just totally crash in the NFL because they don't know how to go through pain. They don't know how to suffer. They don't know how to fail. They don't know how to lose, and and to be able to work themselves through it. So. Yeah, I think Jordan had to spend, I mean, I guess we're talking like three years roughly of like mired in this sort of downswing and and having to figure out through probably a lot of soul searching. They're sure there was, you know, a decent amount of, of mental stuff and as well technical stuff, you know, because I know that he tried to get longer. And so, you know, sometimes that can kind of mess with you as you try to expand the front end without the back end being tight. You know, you can cause yourself to kind of trip over yourself. So yeah, I think it's really cool. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what what he brings this week. Uh, I mean, Augusta is a special place. So the guys that have have been able to kind of find out how to win on that uh, that golf course in those conditions, um, he certainly has an advantage over the field. Uh, but I think you know it'll be a test to see you know how, how much overconfidence he has because if you look at last year with Bryson, I mean, I say last year it was like eight months ago, seven months ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, with Bryson saying, you know, Augusta was a par 67. I mean, that got shoved in his face pretty yeah, quickly. And I was he learned real fast. to see it. I think that's something that a lot of traders go through too. They come out the gates. They, you know, Jack and I've said this multiple times. Traders, you know, the first year is usually their best year. And then they kind of get knocked down a little bit. They, they got to work back in pace there. And I think, you know, Jordan and Jordan Spieth is kind of a, a, a synonym to that aspect. Came out really strong. Had to get knocked down get stretched out a little bit, and then kind of re-anchor. And I think a lot of traders go through that. Yeah. Well, um, really quick, this this will be fun too as we start to uh, wind things up here. First, I'd like to give everyone the opportunity to uh, – Jared, do you want to say uh, where they can find the mental game of trading when it comes out and uh, where they can find more about you and your practice? Yeah. So the book will be available pretty much everywhere where you buy books, uh, audiobook, ebook, soft cover. Barber's um, bookstore, Barnes and Noble. Whatever whatever it <laughs> takes, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna spread this thing out. It's it's it, if it's not successful, it's not because people didn't know about it or didn't have the opportunity to try it out. You're taking your own advice. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Exactly. You gotta gotta make things happen. But I, I at the time of this release, you know, the ebook and the audiobook may not be out yet. It's just sort of you know, quality control stuff with, uh, with Amazon and, and those retailers. Um, and then about, about me, you know, uh, my website is jaredtendler.com. Uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter, uh, at jaredtendler. 
Uh, and that's uh, that's about it. Well, I thought one fun last thing we could do since uh, this half of the episode won't come out. It, it, today we're recording. It's Tuesday, April 6th. So the Masters hasn't happened yet. Everybody has to say who they think is going to win. And this will be in something that plays in two weeks. Um, I'll go f- first and be a coward and say that I think it's going to be... You know what? I'm going the other way. I'm going to take a flyer. Ricky Fowler. <laughs> wow. Ricky didn't, Ricky didn't wow. make the cut, didn't get the invite. I, I, I was going to say Dustin Johnson. And then even, I was thinking, like, what a Ricky didn't even thing get the say. invite this yeah, year. He had, he had, to, had a he had win. To, he had to win, <laughs> would win the Valero, too. Is Tiger uh, still on crutches? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who do you got, Dan? Well, if Tiger was playing, obviously my first pick is always Tiger. If Tiger's in the Masters, so hopefully he's getting better. <sighs> I, I'm going to go with Jordan. Jordan does play well at the Masters when he's feeling good. Um, I'd love to see Jordan. I'd love to see Jordan win. I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, interesting. I'm, uh, I think I'm going to go with the first-timer this year. I know I was just just saying, you know, the veterans have uh, have advantages, but, you know, the patrons are back. Um, people are going to be excited. So um, who's the first-timer who could do it? Rory's still looking for a green jacket. Well, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's he, he, he could use some coaching <laughs> right now. He's not quite man. That's that's a that's a name that. Well, my uh, real pick's going to be Justin Thomas. Maybe that'll get you started. That's that's a that's a pretty good pick too. I think Bryson will flop. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's hesitation that. on that. There's always a chance for Phil. You know, if he's if he's feeling loose and he's drinking his obnoxious coffee that he makes every morning, you know, maybe he, he comes out the gate strong. I guess he's like fifty. Oh, that's yes, Patrick Cantley. That's who I was thinking of. Patrick Cantley. That's who, uh, that's who my brother's going for. Yeah, so I think my 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 kind of first timer is uh, Patrick Cantley. I think, I mean, the guy has just been super consistent, um, and my guess is he's going to come in with a lot of belief, and you know, on a golf on a golf course like that, you need it because. Um, it's, it will play tricks with your mind. I mean, uh, you know, just the wind, the conditions are constantly changing. So, uh, yeah, I think. And it's the masters and it's the masters. It's the masters. It's, it's the big one. Well, Jared, thanks so much again for coming by everybody out there. Make sure to go get your copy of the mental game of trading by Jared Tendler. Uh, Jared, maybe down the road, we'll have you back sometime. It was great talking to you. Yeah. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. It was, uh, it was great to be here and appreciate the, uh, the pimping. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. And we'll be back after that sound effect they always play. Boodle 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 Dan, how would how would you make that sound effect? I I go boodle boodle boodle. I go better Yeah, it's it's kind of. I don't know what it is. I haven't heard it in a while. Well, it's it's like Arrested Development with the chicken sounds, where everyone has a different chicken sound. Yeah, that's kind of what we are with that. It's a very interesting sound. But we've talked enough about that sound. Let's get to the important part. Uh, Thank you so much to Jared Tendler for giving us an advanced copy of his book, The Mental Game of Trading, which is out now on Amazon. And thanks to him for sitting down with us for an hour because he's a busy guy, but it was super interesting. So I hope you guys all enjoyed it out there. And as far as podcast news, we'll be back next week. I think it'll just be me and Dan, but maybe we'll bring in someone off the bench to spice things up a little bit sort of a come down after Jared after Tendler. the big one big two weeks here yeah huge two weeks uh for everyone out there it is of course thursday which means it's almost party time if that's your thing if you got your vaccine hope you have but uh hope you're getting it soon hopefully we can get everything back to normal dan what are you gonna do first well 
Where I live, life has been normal. Yeah, but there's got to be something you haven't done that you can. Not really. Huh. Other than, you know, wearing a mask to the grocery store. That's about the only restrictions we have where I live. Bars are open. Restaurants are open. Bowling alleys, movie theaters. Um, everything where I live has been wide open since last May with uh, really no restriction. I think uh, like a couple restaurants made you wear a mask to the table. So I've lived a relatively normal life. Um, but the plus side, my sister's moving home with my niece and nephew back from the East Coast. Her and her husband are moving here. So that's kind of the, the light at the end of the tunnel for me is having my niece and nephew at home. Oh, that's great. They're moving to Geneva or to Chicago? Wisconsin area. Going to be within an hour of where I live. And uh, so I'm really excited about that. Well, that's great news to start the weekend on. So everybody else... Uh... Oh, my answer, by the way, I am going to go to, uh, I don't know, like a sweaty discotheque at some point. <laughs> I don't even right? like it. I don't even I like it. I want to go to a rave. I want to go to a, you know, a mosh pit at a, a heavy metal concert. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll invite you all to our uh, trader rave at some point. Uh, expect that <laughs> invitation in the mail. But in the meantime, have a great weekend. And uh, as we are like to say, namaste and trade well. Limit Up is presented by Top Step and produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contain substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.